Hey, I'm Kevin, the student pastor at Shore Church again. Thanks for listening to our message. We strive each week to bring you relevant, practical, biblical teaching that meets you where you are. To find out more about us or what's going on at the church, head on over to scog.com or download the app. Hope you enjoy the message. All right, we are in the middle of a series on parenting here at the church called It's Just a Phase, Don't Miss It. And today we're talking about everyone's favorite age bracket, middle school. Or as Professor Spaulding at the illustrious Anderson University used to call it, the armpit of the universe, a.k.a. sixth grade. It is a tough, tough time in your life. You're not sure what is happening at any time ever. Even when you think you know what it is, you don't know what it is. And there's a lot of like middle schoolers in the room right now. Guys, guess what? Your parents are just as clueless about what you're going through as you are, and it's okay. All right, so we're all miserable here, and we're going to get through it together. (laughs) Okay, so here's the deal. Uh, Middle school is a tough, tough time. Um, This is a, a moment that was really near and dear to my heart. Um, of my formation, of the wounds I self-inflicted of myself, uh, myself, can I say myself a few more times in that sentence? Uh, You understand what I'm saying. Self-inflicted wounds, my sixth grade year was where I uh, excelled at being stupid and suffering through figuring out who I was and what was going on and whatnot. In my sixth grade year, um, I developed a way of getting out of all my social anxiety was to make myself puke. So if you go to school, first and second period, and then you go at the first bathroom break, um, which happened between English and math, which was very fortuitous for me because I hated math, I'd go in there and say, Mr. Spraker, I just, I just puked. He's like, what is going on? And he's like, okay. And if you're an active vomitor, sixth graders do not use this to get out of school. But if you are an active vomitor, you automatically do not pass go, do not click $200, you go home. And so it was a way of me to extract myself from the situation. Um, Now, I probably only did that intentionally a couple times. But what happened was I built this thing going on in my, my body that when I got really stressed out about it, it would happen whether or not I wanted it to. And so for my sixth grade year, I missed 80 days of school um, because of the, the I do, now I can identify it as a social anxiety and not, wanting, not knowing how to deal with the stuff that was going on. At the time, I had no clue what was going on. I remember a, a quiz my mom must have got from like uh, Dobson or something. It was like, what makes you, what, oh, you made it up? Uh, what makes you happy? What makes you sad? What makes you stressed? Uh, and all these questions. And I was like, uh, I remember the question that I aced was, uh, was you asked me a question about uh, Muggsy, my Scottish terrier. Does the dog stress you out? Because she slept with me every night. As a sixth grader, I had a king-size bed. I have no idea how I got a king-size bed. I think somebody in the church gave it to me. But I had a king-size bed. So there's me as a sixth grader and this 15-pound Scottish terrier. And she would push me off the bed because she wanted the whole thing to herself. And so there, there I am. And uh, no, no, Muggsy doesn't uh, stress me out. She's the one that passes go. Uh, she, she, she fits the bill. But other than that, 
Um, I don't know if I knew even how, I didn't know myself well enough to be able to answer the questions right, right? I didn't know myself well enough to even communicate to my parents what was going on in my head. I was too, I was so petrified of disappointing them or disappointing teachers or disappointing coaches or disappointing anybody else. Um, not that that was, pl- I had fantastic parents. I like, they're both in here, so I have to say that. But, and, and if I told you that my parents were terrible, you all would be like, no, because you know my parents. So that's, I, I'm, 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 you know, but I had fantastic parents. So it wasn't a parenting thing. Right? Uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a Jared stuck in a spot that he didn't know how to get out of, didn't know how to operate in, didn't know how to, to work through. And so I found a, a safety valve. I found a way to get through it, and I got through it. That led to, to wounds and to stuff that never really got over until I was a sophomore in college. That Jesus had to work through me, through a bunch of good, great friends in my life, and through some other stuff um, that was, was happening. Uh, but it took a decade of struggling through some of those issues and some of those, that, those things I had to, had to work through. And that was my sixth grade year. So how's yours? We're just going to, no. <laughs> um, you're like, ah. I'm not trying to one-up anybody. I'm sure some of you guys have terrible sixth grade, uh, seventh grade, eighth grade experiences. You have, these are the moments in which... Uh, uh, tough stuff happens, but I'm just here to say this is a hard time period in life. And when we look at our and, and kids, I know it's difficult for you. And I'm gonna we're gonna probably laugh a little bit about the different stuff that happens in middle schoolers. But I want you all to know this: your parents are dying to help you through it. Okay, they don't know how because it's a middle school. And it's weird. Because in one moment, you want to play with your G.I. Joes. And the next, you notice a girl for the very first time. And then what's that smell? Oh, it's me. I don't know what to do. Right? Like that's, you have all those thoughts. And that's every 15 seconds just on repeat. Over and over and over again. And let me not even get started on what girls are thinking. Because it's a whole nother ball of wax. Right? And so things are just happening and, and, and crazy stuff's going on. And we're, we're going to try to dive into that. So how we can be the most supportive parents we possibly can be. How we can come alongside and, uh, side and form these kids into the amazing adults. Because middle school doesn't have to be the worst time of your life. It can be a very awesome time in your life as well. I hear it can be. I haven't experienced that yet. But um, I, I know it can be. I know it can be some amazing things because there's a wonderful conversations that can happen. As a youth pastor, I did youth ministry for 10 years. And I, I really did like uh, high school better than junior high. Uh, but there was some of the most amazing times happened with middle schoolers. Because one moment, they are bouncing off the walls, doing crazy stuff. And then if you catch them at the right time, you get them at this moment where they're totally vulnerable and they show you their souls. They don't have all the defenses built up that senior hires do. And so then all of a sudden, you get this emotional all over the place. You're like, all right, let's poke at that. And now we can do some formation. And it's in those moments that are beautiful. They usually happen about 1 to 2 o'clock at night after a lot of video games and Mountain Dew. Okay? So I'm just just going to, for boys. Girls, once again, got no clue. I'm, I'm just 
going to hold on, all right? So we're just going to deal with it. Uh, but that, that's how that, that works. Um, and so parents, we, we have these moments and these phases that we might just want to be like, you know what? Go to your room, do your thing. I'm just going to suffer through these three or four years and be okay. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. There are unique opportunities to speak into the life of your middle schooler that uh, you'll never get again. You didn't have an elementary and you're not going to have it senior high. Middle school is the intersection of when your influence is the same as their friends. Seventh grade is actually the, 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 the confluence of those two um, in, influential paths meeting. And so you still have a lot of influence in your kids' lives. Now, if you've been noticing, uh, is when you are preschool, preschool age, you get like 12 hours a day with your kid. And sometimes you're like, yes, all 12, I get them. Uh, and in elementary, you get more like six hours a day. And now in, in middle school, you're getting maybe like four, maybe two. And then high school, uh, you get two a week uh, if you see them uh, when they're awake. Uh, right? And so it just kind of happens that way. So you still have this moment in which you're being able to uh, have time with your kids. And you got to be very, 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 very strategic about that. We want to take the opportunity to form these kids. And where we get that from, and every week we've been coming back to it, is the Shema, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gates. It is to be who you are. Now, I want to be very careful with this. I'm going to give you a list of scriptures to kind of work with your kids later in the message. You want to have your pencils ready, okay? It's a pretty long list. I'm not going to read them all. You're going to write them out, think about them. But here's, I, I saw this as a youth pastor a lot, is that they come to me, Jared, my kid went crazy. Okay, I need a scripture to share at them. Okay, that should have been done like a long time ago but you're going to throw something at them and they're going to be like, and walk away. But I'll give them to you because that's what you asked, right? Because the, what the Shema is saying is this is part of who you are. You don't just say, ah, you throw John 3.16 at you, ah, and then run away, and then shut the door and go away. That's what we do because they're middle schoolers and they, they attack and bite sometimes. And so you've got to, but, but that's, that's not the mentality that we have to have is that who we are, who we are, um, <laughs> There's a lot of pointing at different middle schoolers right now. That's fun. Uh, hey, he does that. Uh, uh, so we, we, when we're sharing about God and we're, we're talking about these spiritual foundations, it's not something that we just kind of, oh, I, I got a text and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to you know, write it on an index card and slap it on their bathroom uh, mirror and then run away. That's what, how you may feel like that will happen. I understand. And that's not necessarily a bad thing to do. It's just not the best. The best is those scriptures inhabit who you are and then you love and you lead and you cook and you cheer for and you help and you, you do laundry for through the scripture of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind and that it's just oozing out of you. Because your kid, when, when they're receiving the ooze, they may not want to talk to you, they may not want to be in the same house as you, but your effervescence of who you really are starts to really, 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 really matter. The less you actually verbally communicate, the more you're not the who you are and the presence of who you are starts to form who they are in life. Because for the first time in their life, they're able to point at you and go, nope. 
And will anybody call you on your stuff faster than a seventh grader? Right? Like, you hypocrite. Why did you learn the word hypocrite? You know, that was not in the vocabulary test that I wanted to cover. Right? Because they will just call you on that stuff. And if it doesn't fit, mm mm-mm. Because middle schoolers have the mind of engineers. They're trying to figure it all out. How does this go? How does this go? How does this go? How does this go? Well, if they've got beautiful mind stuff going on in their head. They can figure it all out because they are so lost on what is going on in the world that they have to grab onto some sort of control at some point and go, well, if A equals this and this, okay, we're good, we're good. Wait a minute. A is broken. Why is that broken? It's my parents' fault. Ah! Right? Because we're not perfect people and we mess up. We burn things. We might forget to spray and wash your favorite shirt, and oh my goodness, I'm sorry. <laughs> if you wouldn't eat spaghetti with the white shirt, you wouldn't get it ruined. You know, whatever it is, you got all these things going on, but somehow that's our fault because we were the, supposed to be the all-knowing A plus B. And so you've got to be inhabiting the Shema of this is who I am. I'm trying my best. Authentically say, I messed up and own it, but I'm trying to do better. Because then through the authenticity, there's some credibility there. Maybe not in that moment. Middle school is the long game, folks. Elementary, we could correct behavior in a minute. We still were the authority. One, two. I can do that to a middle schooler. Okay. (laughs) Right? It may work, but you're going to have to escalate so far, you don't really want to go there. You're going to be grounded for a month. If you're grounded for a month, you've got to be near them for a month. Yeah, you guys are afraid to laugh on that one, weren't you? No, you <laughs> that's what happens, right? You, 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 add, you have to escalate those things. It's tough, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough, it's tough. Okay, so middle schoolers are asking three major questions. Who's in charge? Who is in charge? And the question when they ask this, and it's very easy to see when a middle schooler asks who's in charge, right? They're trying to figure it out because they don't know. One minute I was in charge. One minute, my parents were in charge. One minute, coach was in charge. Now this girl's in charge of my life. I don't know what's going on. Who is in charge? The authority question. What us as parents have to say is, how do I show them God in this moment? How do I show them God in this moment? If you're noticing a theme over the last four weeks, that's intentional, right? How do I show them God in this moment? The second question they're asking is, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? It's an identity question. We need to help our kids see who they are in God. Help our kids see who they are in God. And they're asking this question all the time. This is, it is everywhere. From their clothing choices to the song choices to the sport choices to whatever they're doing in life. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Because remember, they have a mind of an engineer. And they, to be able to plug themselves in to the equation of life, they have to figure out who they are. And they're, they're trying this. Well, I'm doing this this week. That did not work. Let's try this this week. That did not work. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. Let's try this one. And our heads are spinning because we're like, well, I thought you liked this. I got this thing. Heaven forbid you buy the wrong thing. That was so last week, mom. You don't know me. You don't pay attention. Shopping for Christmas will be fun, right? It's going to stink for kids. Kelly gets all of her Christmas shopping for the kids done like around their birthday in August. So that's not going to work fly here anymore because 
They'll go through eight different hobbies by the time Christmas comes up right? because they're trying to figure it out. But does that help if they have a mindset of an engineer? Like, oh, they're trying to figure these things out and they're really upset when it doesn't work because no one likes to be wrong, especially a temperamental middle schooler. Who am I? Because the, the answer to that, well, we're going to go into it deeper in the, in the message. Third question is, who do I like? Who do I even like? And this is a character question. How do I equip our kids for who God has created them to be? Who as I create? Ooh. Okay. We still good? Okay. About broke my microphone. That's good. Uh, Who do I like? How do I equip my kids or our kids for who God has created them to be? All right. The, The nitty gritty of what's going on here. Girls start puberty at fifth to sixth grade. The, the hormones start to come in, things start to be uh, weird, and you, just the ups and downs start to come a little bit more. The stomping of the stairs is a little bit more frequent. What is go- Why did that set you off? I don't understand. The, the moments of, uh, <laughs> Emma's a fifth grader. The graphs are over here going, oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> it's coming. Uh, so that starts to happen, right? Boys, it's a little later, sixth to seventh grade, um, and crazy stuff starts to happen to them. They're a little delayed, and Lord help you when it starts to happen. What's going on in, a, in, in, a, in the body of these kids is they can grow three inches in a year and gain 10 healthy pounds in a year. That, that, you know, that doesn't happen at any other time in their life. You're, you're going through such a transformation that it, you just can't keep up, even with yourself. Boys are producing so much testosterone, it's like getting a steroid shot like once a week. So when they go up and when they go down and when they go up, they're experiencing roid, roid rage. Like, yeah, why are you acting like that? Because I don't know what to do with my body. And they might not communicate that. So athletic endeavors will become your friends. Go take a lap. I had, I had a boss, one of my mentors, uh, he's like, he goes, someone that has to take a lap, it's either me or my son. Doesn't really matter which one, but somebody's got to take a lap for us both to survive in this house. And so <laughs> I'd come outside and we, we, our offices, we were a church plant, and so our offices were in a strip mall. And I'd see pastor just making laughs. I'd be outside on a, on a phone conversation because we didn't get any uh, cell service in the strip mall. And he's like, doing all right? He's like, just need another one. <laughs> Take another lap. <laughs> Anything I can do with your son today? Yeah, if you wanted to go bowling with him, that'd be okay. A milkshake, something. Just do something. Okay, save Austin's life on the to-do list. Got it. Check. Uh, because it's like somebody needs to take a lap, and maybe that's a little, that, that's the whole message for you today. Someone just needs to take a lap. It's okay. They're asking this question, who is in charge? And they ask this by testing boundaries. Big shocker. Middle schoolers test boundaries. Breaking news right here. They question this by a minute-to-minute basis. Because the engineer mindset is, who's in charge? Because if I want to get this answer to this question, 
I have to know who's in charge because that makes me able to dictate what the outcome is, to manipulate the outcome. I've got to butter up mom. I got to do this with dad. I got to blah, 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 blah. I just got to scream. I got to whine. I got to whatever. Whoever's in charge, I'm asking this question because the goal is to get blank. So I got to know the answer to the question to get what I, my, my, my answer. Who's in charge? How do we deal with this, parents? Got the number one thing is this. Be boring. Be boring. What? Be boring. Be predictable. This saved me so much stupidity in middle school and high school. I, not calling my parents boring, but predictable. Yes, I will call them predictable. Because I knew if Jared did this, this was the result. And that was, that's not something that just goes on a dime, right? That's not something that just happens. That's because that same was true when I was a baby, when I was three, when I was six, when I was 10, it went 12. And if I do it now, I'm like, I'm still going to get in trouble, <laughs> right? Because I knew this was the result of the X behavior. That this is going to happen. So much so, there was things people were asking me to do stuff. Like, I never challenged. When my dad said, no, that's not going to happen. We had a, this conversation probably like maybe a year ago. Yeah, I never came back and said, well, can I do that? No, you can't. No didn't mean maybe. You, that's made me a terrible salesperson. Right? Great salesmen, I bet their parents said maybe a lot or their no actually meant, eh, I'll think about it. Or if you just ask eight more times, it's going to be a yes. Right? No was no was no, and it was a no. So if your parents are consistent in that, just know that salesman is probably not your life calling. It just it is what it is. But answering this question, who is in charge? Be boringly consistent because nothing else in their life is consistent. The only consistency for a 6th, 7th, and 8th grader is inconsistency. Their very body is betraying them on a minute-to-minute basis. There is nothing consistent. Their friends and social structure changes so fast, they need an app just to keep track of who's actually my friend in this moment, in this time, right now. Okay, they, you cannot keep up with it. Everything is changing. Who their sphere of influence is, who they like, who's their favorite you know, musical act, who, who all these different things. And so you have to be more consistent and step into consistency and step into consist- consistency. To answer the question, I'm still in charge. God's still in charge. Now, you can earn the right to be kind of in charge sometimes. But I'm, that consistency is, nope, come back to me. Come back to me. Come back to me. Oop. Sorry. How do we do this? Oh, other things to take note of. I, I thought these were very interesting. By the way, I've been doing... I put uh, my, my bibliography, <laughs> works cited page, in the worship folder. I haven't been referencing it very much, but there's a couple books that uh, I really I did a lot of studying for. So if you have your worship folder there's a whole, and you're interested in some of this stuff, uh, go ahead and pick up those books, read them on your own, dive into them. It's good, 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 good stuff. It's just, um, there you go. I just didn't want you to feel like I was, I'm not taking something else and claiming my own um, there's some really good things in there. Uh, things to note. No phase has less consist- consistency than sixth grade. Being abnormal is now normal. Being abnormal is normal. I mean, think about it. Everything is betraying you, even your voice. Right? I, I think my voice changed in one day. 
I remember it. It was in eighth grade. I was in uh, a special show choir. I started out the year as a tenor. I ended the year as a baritone. And it just, I like, I tried out. I got a solo in something, and we went to practice it, and the choir teacher was like, we ain't doing that one anymore, Jared. I was like, what happened? Like, because it just went, and I was like, okay, I'm done. I was blessed in that. It didn't take very long. I didn't go, oh, I don't do this anymore. And if you go through that, Sorry about your luck. It just happens. Being abnormal is now normal. Insecurity is an unspoken, powerful force. Insecurity motivates almost all decisions of this age group. Insecurity. So as parents, how do we love into that? By being boring and offering security. You know, you're loved here. You're cared for. This is your spot. You're okay here. By being consistent in that. Because if they're so insecure and everything else, I've got to offer that security here. Does this make sense? And parents need to remember how uncool you really are. Just remember, you, and you're going to get compared to other parents. Could you believe what Bobby's mom did? She did this, and it was so cool. Yeah, I'm not Bobby's mom, and that's not happening here. Why? Because I'm going to be boringly consistent and through everything I am, I'm going to say, hey, you know what? We're going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And some of those things that maybe you get to do some other places, one, you're not doing that anymore. But two, that's not why we do it because of this. Not to throw scripture in someone's face to say, you've known this. This is who we are now. This is who we were yesterday. And it's who we're going to be tomorrow. Right? Parents need to remember, you're not going to win a popularity contest. We try. Oh, if I just do this, if I buy this for my kid, if I do this, if I take them to this way, if I allow that to happen, maybe then I can, I'll let them be as close to me as they were in fourth grade. It's not going to happen, and you don't want it to, really. Because remember, we want them to leave at some point. At some point. Kindle, I don't. The other, no. <laughs> we want them to leave at some point. We want them to grow up. We want them to be able to do all these things. And so they have to be able to figure this stuff out. We don't want to keep on trying to be their cool friend. We want to be their parent that loves them and prepares them for life. And like I said, this is the intersection of parent influence and kid inf- and, and friend influence. And that's going to continue to happen. And we have to be willing to say, okay, 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 okay. Remember who's in control is God. You've got these opportunities. All right. Who, the next, uh, telegraph choices. Oh, how do you be boring more? Telegraph your choices. Telegraph your choices. Telegraph your choices. They should know what's coming before it ever comes. Uh, That helps. Because remember, the mindset of engineer. You want to make a kid mad? A seventh grader mad? Don't, Don't do this. But you could do a little test. Like, you just change lunch on them. Say, say right now, text him like, hey, you want to go to Jimmy John's for lunch? Yeah, I love Jimmy John's. Get in the car and go to Firehouse. <laughs> Roid rage all over the place, right? Because you, because you just, wait a minute, you told me. I had my whole day figured out. I was going to get a Vito with light mayo, and it was going to be great, and I was going to have the salt and vinegar chips, and now I got to go to Firehouse. You love Firehouse, but you don't understand. I texted Susie. She was going to be there. She wasn't going to be there. Her mom said no, but that doesn't matter. You still ruined. Engineer figured it all out. Uh, Ask questions 
about process, not always choices. This is important because when you're debriefing a moment, can we say that? When we're debriefing a moment, doesn't that just make a whole, we're telling our kids how stupid they were. When we're debriefing a moment, we say, uh, I just thought that was fun. Uh, debriefing the moment, we're saying, you know, what was, what was the thought process in that? I don't want to talk about, no, what were you, I want to understand, like, were you, let me ask you questions. Not, that was stupid. I can't believe you do that. You disappointed me. I'm so embarrassed by you. Arr. Yeah, those, those are now we're attacking the choices. Yeah, the shame of the bad choice, probably already there, right? Let's ask questions about the process so we can figure out what caused that to happen. Does that make sense? That's going to be really hard for me to do. Middle school, senior high, don't have one. I can be a very big expert. If you notice, my whole, even my posture is different today. Like, because, because I'm expert on middle school and high school because I don't have them yet. But when we're debriefing these moments, ask questions about process, not their choices. You can ask the questions about the choices, but get in the mindset of the process because the engineer is trying to figure out the variables, right? All right. Um, next question is, who am I? I have so much material today. Oh, man. I don't care. You're going to have to sit here. You don't want to go out in the rain anyway. You don't have yard work to do today. Uh, so anyway, uh, who am I? Who am I? This question is so strong. Who am I really? These self-reflective questions start to happen. Who am I? Who do I want to be? What's going on here? This is where we have to be as parents proactive. Starting to plant the seeds of who our kids are can't happen all of a sudden they start in sixth grade. I mean, it can. If you've already missed this boat, you can jump on the boat. But as parents of toddlers and parents of elementary school, this is when you start to already plant these seeds. And this is why coming to kids' ministry is so stinking important on Sunday morning and, and why we need to pour into them in this. We can't just delegate this stuff. Oh, my kid comes to youth group once a month. Great. That's like, you know, 40 hours a year. Your kid spent more time on their smartphone this week than they will in church all, all year long. So spiritual formation is not just left to the church. Kevin does a fantastic job. We have a fun, amazing youth ministry that's speaking life, love, and hope into our kids' lives. However, it can't, can't, can't compete. Can't compete. So this who am I question starts to be answered by us when they're even younger and can start to be uh, answered in, later. I want to give you some scripture here um, in, in this moment is when we start talking about, uh, when we see our kids struggling with who they are, not, not, not in the struggle, but even preemptively the struggle, we say, you are his own special possession. This is who you are, who I see you and who God sees you to be. You are his special possession, and 1 Peter 2.9 and Deuteronomy 14.2 says this, speaks this into the life. You are chosen and handpicked by God who created the universe. 1 Peter 2.9 again in Jeremiah 1.5, Ephesians 1, 3 through 4. There's all kinds of scripture that's just speaking into these moments. You are chosen, handpicked by God who created the universe. Right? I want to be able to have these scriptures Embedded in my kids' brains when they're wondering, who am I? You know who you are? 
You are a prince. You are a princess. You are a son. You are a daughter of God who loves you, who died on a cross for you and would do it again for you. If you're the only person that ever exists, he would do it for you. Yeah, you think you're weird. You think you don't fit in. You think no one likes you. God loves you more than you can ever imagine. You were chosen. You are treasured. You are irreplaceable. Our kids need to know this. You are, there's no one else like you. No one will ever be like you. No one will think like you. No one will act like you. No one will talk like you. No one ever, ever, ever in the history of mankind will be like you. For some of you, that's very easy to see. Right? You're just weird. No, I'm just <laughs> and it's okay. Speaking as a very odd sixth grader, I was thinking about putting pictures up, but I thought, no. <laughs> these, these messages are videotaped now. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> you are worth dying for. You are forgiven. And we're going to go too fast with these, and I'm sorry. We, you, if you would like them, I can email them to you, or um, I can just put this on Facebook later today. You are his child. You are set free. You are precious to him, and you are set apart. I want to be very careful with this. These scriptures are not used as punishment after a poor choice. They're used as a foundation to, to build upon. You see the difference in that? Because what happens is, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you did that, and slap them in the head with the Bible. As I said, Patrick used to call that capping somebody with the word. You don't, want to, you don't want to do that because now you've equated discipline, you've equated um, uh, judgment, you've uh, uh, failure with the scripture and with God. And that's not what we're going for here. We want to go with firm foundation. Who are you? You are set apart. Not you're better than that, which also may be, but you're already better than this. You're unique. You're formed better than this. You have an amazing future and hope for you. We equip them through this. And that comes from, and some of you as parents right now, you're reading some of those things and you go, I don't believe that about myself. And so it's really hard for that to be the overflow of my heart into my kid's life when I don't believe about it myself. And so parents, you may need to hear that before. Again, you are his special possession. You are his chosen, handpicked by God. You are treasured. You are irreplaceable. You are loved beyond compare. You are worth dying for. You are forgiven. You are his child. You are set free. You are precious to him, and you are set apart. And as we make that part of our DNA, that's the DNA in which we start to parent out of good things happen because that's Shema-type living. I'm loving the Lord, my God, with everything that I have because I'm set apart I've been bought, for, bought and paid for. God has a plan for me. I'm a new creation created in Christ Jesus. Some good stuff can come out of that. Final question they ask is, who do I like? This pushes the character questions. For the first time they're in, they have the authority and the power to be in a moment and go, I don't want to be here. I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you, I don't like you. I'm just going to remove myself from this situation. Classes, they get to change their schedule around a little bit. They can go down different halls. They can, you know, they have a little bit more autonomy and all that stuff. And so asking this question, who do I like? 
Well, I love baseball, but I don't like the people on the team. Bye, baseball. I like swimming, or I like cheerleading, or I like gymnastics, but I don't like the people. Bye. In sixth grade, I, I, I kind of uh, I dealt with some of these things. Uh, I, I swam. I chose swimming over baseball. No one can talk to you when your head's under the water. Right? You can't make anybody mad at you. And you can't make just to you too. So that's what happens. Who do I like? I don't know. I don't even like myself. It's a hard, hard question. The goal of this age group is um, to inclusion into a group is their goal. They just want to find the group. And this is why your kid will come home and they look totally different than they did yesterday is because they felt included by a group that may look a little different. This is why all of a sudden music changes. This is why all of a sudden what their, uh, what the sports teams might change overnight. Things like that. Inclusion into a group is their goal. Now, as parents, this scares the bajibas out of you, and it should. Right? And so... What we've got to do. Now, middle school parents, you're like, ah, fix it now. Hold on. You're going to have to, this is a lot of slow work. But a lot of this work actually happens in elementary. Helping start to build the decision-making process of who's a good friend. Why is that not a good friend? Do you like that friendship? No? Why not? Okay, how do they make you feel? All right. Because how a kid makes another kid feel in fourth grade is only going to be amplified, amplified in seventh grade. Does that make sense? Okay, just make sure your kid's not the one being the bully. Uh, so there we go. Uh, inclusion into a group is their goal. Even the strongest personalities, the strongest personalities will grow, go to a Halloween party in a group costume. Like, we, we, know, we know the kids. The kids, they're just the most unique and out there and outlandish, and they're their own person. And you're going, why are you a Muppet? Because all my friends dressed up as Muppet. But why? why okay, but why are you Miss Piggy? I don't understand. You know, but <laughs> you just got this going on. Because they, they want to be a part of the group. Um, <laughs> inclusion is that, uh, into a group is their goal. And second uh, thing that will happen is everyone will have a broken heart. You will experience a broken heart at this time. And parents, it, it's going to happen. And I know you don't want, my baby, it's going to break. It doesn't matter how their heart's going to be broken. Their heart will be broken through, uh, through a boy or a girl. Their heart will be broken by not making a team. Their heart will be broken by getting their first A minus, Kelly Reidner. Uh, so you know, whatever it was, their heart will be broken because they didn't live up to some sort of standard and they're judging themselves so hard because they don't know if they like it themselves and... <laughs> So all of a sudden, you don't know why. Why did that bother you so much? I, because it, it mattered because it was going to be the gate to me getting into that group, a group in which was going to fall apart in three days anyway. But they, you can't say that part as a parent because that's not what they see. Everyone will have a broken part, broken part, a broken heart. Sorry, broken parts too. Um, Friends will be in competition with you for their influence in their life, for the rest of their lives. Frame friendships well. Foster them, grow them, and help them become good friends. 
All right, how do we lead them well in this phase? How do we lead them well in this moment? We must connect the dots with scripture. Not beat them over the head with it, but connect the dots with scripture. When we're asking process questions instead of like, why did you do that, you idiot? No, we're asking, what was, what were you making? What, what come up with that? How did you get there? What was your thought process behind this? Explain this to me. Tone of voice matters a lot in those questions, by the way. Connect the dots with scripture, which helps us show them the authority of God. Expect a crisis. All right? Sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, every day is a crisis. Every day, there will be a crisis of some sort. If you're caught off guard by a crisis, parents, it's not going to be easy. Like every day you are working at a nuclear facility that's one step away from blowing up. Chernobyl style. And that Chernobyl is called your middle schooler. And so every day expect a crisis. No days off. You can't run away from it. Every day expect a crisis. Don't be, and if you are alarmed by the crisis, if you're like, I never thought this was going to happen. You're inviting yourself to more crisis. Crisis? Crisis. There we go. I learned something. Uh, you're inviting more crisis. What was it? Crises. There, thank you. Uh, voc- vocab words today. Um, sorry, I couldn't extrapolate that. Uh, so, all right. Uh, and then finally, be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent. Be consistent. Be obnoxiously boringly consistent. Because what was the rule yesterday needs to be the rule today and the rule tomorrow. If you break curfew here, then this is going to happen. If you break curfew now, this is going to happen. Hey, guess what? Next week, if you break curfew again, guess what's going to happen? That's going to happen again. You want that. You want that. You want that because they are never guessing in that. In the minds of the engineer, Mm, what's going on? And the more consistent you are, the more subconsciously, I think, you're investing into your kids that God is consistent. Because remember, you're still answering an authority question all the time. And so if you're trying to live out of an overflow of love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and that's who you're telling your kids you're trying to be, by you being consistent, you're showing them that God is consistent. If you're going... Mount Vesuvius every five seconds, you're showing them to God that you're that He's all the time. Be consistent. Be loving. Don't be shocked by crises. This predictability at this age is so important because nothing else in their life is predictable. Because they're all going through this craziness at the same time. It's in a unique age. It's a crazy age. It's a fun age. It's just filled with possibility of deep, lasting conversation, deep, lasting commitment to each other, deep, lasting memories that will last for the rest of your life. It's just a phase. Don't miss it. I know, I know we're already talking about it. And we, we already even frame middle school years sometimes as, oh, boy, he's turning 13. Hold on to your butts. You know, and like we're just, we're so negative about it. And it's really easy for me to say this because they're not teenagers yet, but we can't miss this moment. We can't just hold on and grin and bear it and go run in our rooms and hide and hope they go in their rooms and hide. We have to engage in it because I think it could be a moment in our lives in which we've invested in and talked about and and participated in that can show us beauty that we've never even thought we could have with our kids before. 
So that's a challenge. In church, it's a challenge that we're all taking. Is we got middle schoolers in this church. That's a beautiful thing. And we're getting more and more middle schoolers. We've got a huge class that's getting ready to, the next two years of uh, fourth graders and fifth graders that are going to be in uh, middle school is just ginormous here in this church. Things are going to smell different. <laughs> Things are going to act different. The volume level is only going to get cranked up because my kids are some of those uh, kids moving up. And it's just going to get more and more and more. And we've got to, as a church community, say, you know what? These kids are valuable. They're worth it. And it's just a phase. We're not going to miss it. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for the teachers downstairs who are dealing with all these kids that their pastors spoke 20 minutes too long. And Lord, I just thank you for their forgiveness and their love of me. God, I ask you to be with every one of these parents. Lord, I ask you to anoint this time in their lives, that this phase that they would own, that this phase you would meet them, and in their quiet time, in their moments before the house erupts with craziness, that they meet you in a fresh way, that you would pour out your patience and your your provision on them, that they would be able to meet each challenge each day. And I pray specifically for all the middle schoolers in this room. God, I know it's a crazy life, and I know things are weird, and I know sometimes it feels like you're all alone and you don't know have anyone you can hold on to. God, that this would be a church in a place that they can say, I feel safe there, I feel known there, I feel cared for there. That's my home. When the world around them says, we don't want you, or you've got to look this way, you've got to act this way, you've got to be this person, we say, we will take you just the way you are and love you. God, I ask you to move in us that we would raise up a new generation of people who claim you, who love you, who care for you deeply. And maybe that relationship really took root in those middle school years when they craved a group and we accepted. When they craved love and we gave them yours. But may that be on our lips and our heart, on our very facial expression. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you all the days of your life. You are dismissed. Go with God. Thanks for joining us at church this week. And a special thanks to all those who continue to support our mission through your generosity. You too can support our mission to reach, grow, and serve our community by giving on the website or through the app. To make sure you never miss out on a message, be sure to subscribe. And don't forget to hit that share button to spread the word. Have a great week.